and welcome, welcome to the. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping that in. We're keeping that. You, do you want to start it? Do you want to start it? All right. Yeah. Uh, hello. Welcome to the Kessel Rundown podcast. I'm Ethan, and this is Hunter. And you yeah, just heard hello. us. Try and say the exact same thing at the same time. We're just a little, we're a little uh, overzealous to talk about this finale of Kenobi. Mm, if you can say it, say it like that. Uh, so I overall like the finale. Uh, what about you, Ethan? Meh. I, oh, that's kind okay. of my attitude on most of the series now that it's over. Mm. I don't know. We'll, well yeah, that's, that's we'll get good. into it. We, that's good. We have two uh, clashing views of this. Well, we had two weeks to stir over this, or about a week to stir over uh, how we feel about it. And I think our views are pretty cemented, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I think it, just the fact that the series is over has kind of hit me and and not in a super satisfying way. You know, it's kind of like, oh, that was it. That's kind of how I feel. So. Well, we're going to know what exactly drives that, and I'm, I'm, I'm eager to hear what, what was so pleasing about it to you. Well, before we do that, let's get into a rundown of this week's news. That's no moon. It's a space station. All right, starting off with Shadow of the Sith. This new canon novel, Shadow of the Sith, written by Adam Christopher, drops June 28th. Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian join forces once again to unravel the mystery of the Sith's lingering shadow. Uh, I picked this book up today. I kind of forgot that it was coming out, and I read about uh, maybe 40 pages, and I'm loving it so far. I can't wait for uh, you, Ethan, to uh, read this book because I think it's right up your alley. Yeah, this uh, honestly, I'm not an audiobook guy, but mm-hmm. this might be when I start because, you know, it's just hard with work and everything to find time to. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I told you this earlier, I'm in the middle of reading like four different books, um, mm-hmm. which is not good for my linear brain, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I'll I'll probably audiobook it at some point soon. You know, listen to it at work or whatever. But I'm intrigued. This is the first first non like novelization of a movie book, right? From from the sequel era. Is this the first sequel era book? Well, uh, no, we've had a uh, Resistance Reborn and other um, sequel uh, novels, kind of like Black Spire Outpost. But none of them kind of like drove the story in in a way this does. This feels like a like a, a huge part in the story that you need to read to understand the rise of Skywalker. I heard someone say, this is like a love letter to the rise of Skywalker. It has most of the oh same boy. characters and yeah, uh, you can take that however you want. <laughs> but, is, it, uh, is it written by, is it written by Colin Trevorrow? Oh God. No. Uh, <laughs> you know that, uh, yeah, let's just move on <laughs> from shadow of the Sith before we talk. Wait, you, about wait, 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 do you, do you, you know what was written by Colin Trevorrow? Jurassic the new Park, Jurassic baby, Park. Jurassic World. <laughs> and oh boy, I heard some things about that. But you know, let's uh, move on to Kenobi Season 2. Uh, with the release of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the cast is in a way taking part in uh, press junkets and many, many interviews. Throughout these interviews, one question kept popping up. Will there be a Season 2? And here I have some quotes from Ewan Hayden and Deborah Chow. So I'll start off with the two from Ewan. He says, I really hope we do another. If I could do one of these every now and again, I'd just be happy about it. He also says, I hope this is not the last time I play him. I had such a great time doing this. I'm sure we could think of a few more stories before I turn into Alec Guinness, don't you think? Hayden <laughs> said, uh, well, it was definitely conceived as a standalone story, but I would love to continue with this character. You know, I think there's certainly more to, there to explore. And I'd be uh, so excited to get to do so. And uh, one quote that really um, cemented and maybe, you know, there might be a season two was from Deborah Chow uh, that director of the series uh, she said you know we always did conceive this is a limited series so it's not an adventure of the week sort of story it's one big story with a beginning middle and end 
So I think this story was very much conceived to be standalone. But there's obviously another 10 years before we get into A New Hope. And with a character like Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think even just watching him right across the sand uh, sometimes is interesting. So who knows? Those are all official quotes from different interviews that I've collected. So, you know, uh, to me, it seems like speculation and wishful thinking, but I really hope that I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know what Obi-Wan Kenobi Season 2 would be about. Uh, hopefully that, you know, we don't get a Season 2. I kind of think that this is a perfect... We, we already got the yeah, story. This, this is a good place to stop, I feel like. I'm, I'm a little lukewarm about the idea of a second season just because i agree that these characters are so important that i wouldn't really want a like a what what do they call it the flash the freak of the week you know like i don't oh, yeah. i'm not sure i want like that style of a show with you know they could have it would be good like black Santin one week like just take a comic for for six episodes but why is that necessary like why why do we need you in going through another emotional journey or something when yeah he's just completed this arduous traumatic you know round of experiences with the budding rebellion and with vader and we all we we just we know that we'll talk about this later but like the qui-gon moment was a good send-off of like okay he's gonna go be a real hermit for like 10 years like he's not gonna talk to owen he's not gonna talk to luke he's he's not gonna talk to bail like he's gonna be by himself with the force that helps solidify to me that he's going to be a wise Alec Guinness in 10 years. So I'm just not true, sure there's true. room for another story. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, and we'll talk about this later as well, but uh, his outfit at the end of the episode six um, is the same outfit that he's wearing in the Star Wars uh, number 15 comic uh, by Marvel. And, you know, that could mean that, you know, it's, it, Kenobi season two is already out and it's in the comic books. So if you, if you want a mm. Kenobi season two, just read the comics and you got it. But yeah. Let's, uh, let's yeah. move on to Taika Waititi. So I, I love this. This is a really fun uh, quote and interview. So in an interview with a uh, total film, Taika Waititi, who is direct to direct a brand new star Wars movie revealed that he is very much not interested in making a film with pre-existing characters and story threads. Uh, this is a quote from Taika himself. He says, look, I think for the Star Wars universe to expand, it has to expand. I don't think that I'm in any use in the Star Wars universe making a film where everyone's like, oh, great, that's the blueprints of the Millennium Falcon. Ah, oh, that's Chewbacca's grandmother. That all stands alone. <laughs> that's great. Though I would like to take something new and create some new characters and just to expand the world. Otherwise, it feels like a very small story. Um, his film is slated for a December 2023 release, but it was just revealed that filming starts next year, so... I'm pretty sure it's going to be pushed back to maybe 24 or possibly 25. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I like the idea of brand new characters, probably not even Jedi uh, in, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I really, I read that quote last week and laughed mm -hmm. um, with the Chewbacca's grandmother thing. Just Taika is like that one relative that you have that like at Thanksgiving just says the most outlandish stuff and you just laugh. <laughs> it's just like, there's no it's just like the comic relief at the table like i'm excited for the taika watiti movie whatever it's going to be i really enjoy thor ragnarok and love and thunder looks like it's going to be pretty fun and those are both watiti movies so i just i don't know it'll be fun i don't know if it's gonna be like squadrons or <laughs> or what kind of movie oh, we're gonna get we yeah. have no details really about the plot right so um, yeah but i'm excited even if i have to wait two more years yeah, and I think that uh, all these projects that uh, Disney has up their sleeves, 
uh, it's, it's going to keep us pretty satisfied until 2025, 2024, whenever this comes out. But, you know, coming out very soon, uh, August 1st, two brand new Lego sets are added to the August 1st release of this huge, like, Star Wars line. So first we got the Justifier, which is a Cad Bane ship from the Bad Batch. It's 1,022 pieces at $169. In this set, you get Hunter, Omega, Cad Bane, and Finnick Shand. And Toto 360, God Bane's Droid. We also get an ATTE Walker coming in at $139 with 1,082 pieces. In this set, you get a Phase 2 Commander Cody, 212 Clone Gunner, 3 212 Clone Troopers, 3 Battle Droids, and a Dwarf Spider Droid. Uh, the Kenobi sets Inquisitor Transport Scythe, Obi-Wan vs. Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi's Jedi Starfighter, the Andor set Ambush on Ferrix, and the Jedi Fallen Order set BD-1 are all set to release on August the 1st. So we got a lot of sets coming out uh, the 1st of August, and I don't have the <laughs> the money for them. To be fair, 170 bucks for... I, although, that sounds cheaper than like most other 1,000-plus-piece Lego sets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's in I a pretty know. good range, yeah. My, um, yeah, I, I've just... I've never really been into, but, into Lego as much, but... Um, it is yeah. going to be cool to, to see Cad Bane's ship. Yeah, I have to research this real quick, but my Millennium Falcon was $150, and I think it's in about the 1,000-piece set. So, I mean, it's, it's a pretty good price. Of course, the inflation, unfortunately, it's going to rise just a little bit. But we're getting characters that we've never had in LEGO before, like Toto 360. Uh, we, we had a Cad Bane, but Omega, I think this is the first Omega figure. And going on to the ATTE Walker, this is our first ever Commander Cody Phase Two figure, uh, and also 212. You know, if you if you like to collect uh, Lego clone troopers, you got more 212 uh, battalion that you can add to your little army. So that's pretty cool. Sounds like you're speaking from experience of someone who likes to collect Lego figures, but uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. So that's been it for this rundown of this week's news. Now on to Obi Wan Kenobi Episode Six. Another happy landing. All right. So in this finale, uh, the season finale, question mark, uh, we hope series finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Dot, dot, um, dot. Astutely titled part six. I always just mm-hmm. like to make fun of Disney for coming up with some great titles. You couldn't even do the Mandalorian where they have like two words. Um <laughs> But we open up on Tatooine, uh, which, you know, is kind of where the series all started, right? We get to see Tatooine in daylight for the first time in a few episodes. And Reva is there looking for Luke. Um, she knows where Owen is, but necessarily like where he lives. So she's going to back to the town, <laughs> asking around. We see the bully guy from the, fir- from the first episode. But in general, this first sequence, did you think it was too easy for her to find Owen? Or did you kind of appreciate it? like I did that they skip through the search. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm glad they had to skip through the search because, uh, you know, we still had a Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader fight to get to. I think the quicker that she got to Luke, the better. If we had to see for half the episode, her search for it, I would have felt really rushed at the very end. Whenever she gets to the homestead. Yeah. Uh, they're, they had bigger fish to fry. So I appreciated that as well. The immediate next scene is the prolonged and much maligned chase of mm. of the i don't know what you call it the junkyard ship that roken is flying away from the from the yeah. destroyer 
or the Devastator or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's called the Devastator, Vader's ship. So was that Vader's ship? Yeah, that was like the same one as the oh, cool. uh, the ones in the original trilogy. Yeah. It's it's a Star Destroyer class, but it's called the Devastator. So I that's why I was getting confused. But uh, something okay. that it this this chase just really frustrated me, and I want to get your take on it. It took forever. It made no sense because they could have mm-hmm. sent out Tie Fighters, and even if you want to make the argument that you know we're only a few years into the Empire, they don't have Tie Fighters yet, which is which true, is pretty you know, convenient. We've already, seen, we've already seen Tie Fighters in the show, so it's like yeah, it, it, oh it's exactly yeah yeah and then uh, yeah. yeah and like rebels yeah they they have technology like this is basically the republic with a new name like they have all the tech mm-hmm. why couldn't they just send out a couple fighters the the ship that roken and leia and all of them are on and obi-wan they have no shields really no hyperdrive no guns they're going super mm-hmm. slow why do you think disney made the choice to well make this such a prolonged hair-pullingly cringy chase <laughs> well i think they're just capturing moments from the last jedi you know they, they could have just sent out some uh little yeah like you said they could have sent out some tie fighters to deal with them yeah i i just think that they just they needed to fit in a moment where obi-wan says goodbye to everyone and uh, unfortunately that came to the cost of making the empire look really stupid especially at the end whenever um kenobi he comes up with the brilliant plan to uh leave in the escape pod and you know kind of hopes that the destroyer will follow him instead of you know the many 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 force users i don't know why vader could have just gone off on his own in his lambda class shuttle and had the star destroyer follow the uh the junkyard shuttle and kind of like exactly two birds with one stone yes um but you know it unfortunately what we saw on screen is what's canon now and it's really funny seeing the grand inquisitor bite his lip <laughs> whenever vader was like yeah. so blinded by hatred he just you know he wanted to go after kenobi uh and that's what i think what the takeaway is is that uh vader was toying with kenobi he kind of wanted to weed kenobi out so he can get him on his own if that makes any sense vader yeah, i think so blinded by hate i just i'm with you like it's a it's kind of a false choice that's presented right mm-hmm. it's like the grand inquisitor is like but but lord vader we we have to go after the ship not Kenobi. You're blinded by hatred. It's like, well, can't Vader just take off in his ship and then y'all keep exactly. following the, or send literally one Tie Fighter out there <laughs> to kill them? Yeah, you know, and it just shows uh, their growth because the Grand Inquisitor from Rebels, he would have suggested that in a heartbeat. Like, hey, let's split up. Uh, we'll we'll take the the survivors. Vader, you take Obi Wan. It just shows how like inexperienced they are with yeah, like everything. the Grand Inquisitor in season one of Rebels was like cunning and evil and like actually mm-hmm. scary. This guy just kind of feels like a lot of the characters in this series pretty one dimensional. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't know. It's it's tough. Um, another thing is when Vader leaves we're kind of skipping around, but when Vader leaves after fighting or when Kenobi leaves after fighting Vader at the end, the destroyer's gone. Like, where is it? Yeah. <laughs> where did Roken fix the, the hyperdrive, I guess. And then the star destroyer said, I'll oh, screw it. We'll leave Vader here. And then they left too. I don't, who knows, but it's the only thing that I can think of uh, is that Vader called, the destroyer off because he was too embarrassed 
let anybody see him like that. But that's just yeah. speculation. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, you want to go on to the uh, the next kind of within sure. this scene of Leia and Obi Wan's uh, interaction on the ship. Um, <laughs> Leia gives this. I, I actually really did like this little interaction she has with the other kids. She's letting them play with uh, with Lola, and she's yeah. like, "They're scared. This helps them be less afraid, or something like that." Um, and Obi Wan says, oh, "No, it. maybe I should borrow her too." I just, you know, I thought that was a beautiful way of showing Leia's character, even at this young age, giving Obi Wan the last opportunity to bond with Leia. All the good things I have to say about this scene are immediately canceled out by the ridiculous. We don't have much time. We got to fix the hyperdrive. Mm-hmm. We're getting shot at. And then it's like literally eight minutes of screen time of them sitting there and talking and nothing is hitting the ship. That's, They're totally fine. It's like, sure. it's the plot armor is on another level to me. It's just, it was so much that I couldn't look, yeah. I couldn't get it out of my mind. I couldn't overlook it. Yeah. It just makes me laugh about Wade. Now <laughs> one shot got him down. Yeah. <laughs> Rip yeah. Wade for the second week in a row. Third well, week really. Wade Wade didn't Wade didn't fit the Disney uh the Disney <laughs> narrative. He was canceled. <laughs> he was canceled by Reva's box that hit his ship. That she threw. I like before. to think that was she like literally, a empty box. She literally threw she literally <laughs> threw like a a box at him and it killed him. And like <laughs> Vader himself and the Grand Inquisitor are chasing chasing Obi-Wan down. And they can't even hit their ship once. And that a uh, cardboard box, man, plot armor. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, let's 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 talk about some other things. Let's move on. Yeah. So moving on, uh, we go back to Tatooine for just a little bit. Mm-hmm. It kind of this is the scene with Owen and Luke in the shop uh, when Owen learns that Reva's coming after them. This is like a thirty second scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what do you think in general. This this is cutting to a couple scenes down the line, but. We can just talk about it all at once. Owen and Baru's preparation efforts, and once they figure out Reva is coming, did you think that they were cheesy? Did you did you like Baru's character Man. in this? What what were your thoughts? No, I I loved Baru. Um, Baru White Sun, uh, her name before she became a uh, uh, a Lars. She, her, I, I believe her family aided in. Um, God, I I can't for the life of me remember, but I always knew that Baru was a badass. Like she got stuff done like her family the white sons were like they were brutal so um seeing uh that she already had some like guns stored is like really funny to me it's like oh yeah that's that's Peru uh and it also <laughs> it adds context to why their bodies were so badly burned because just think of the fight that Baru and Owen had with the stormtroopers or the sand troopers I should say and you know the sand troopers probably in result burn their bodies pretty bad you know they probably wouldn't have done that if they just like you know gave up information they probably put up a fight so uh, i love seeing that it gives them some really good background to like the tough farmers of tatooine how they're always have to be on their toes because you know uh, an an attack from the sand people can happen any minute and so they always have to have guns stored in the funniest of places and i also like whenever they were at the uh the little bazaar market the shop owner was talking to luke and we really get a, a sense of like you know luke lives around all these this scrap metal so he knows all this like you know picking up power converters and all this stuff and it gives kind of uh some life to his uh his 
that really cheesy, funny line in A New Hope where he's like, uh, you know, I want to go to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> you know, he, he's lived with the, these mechanical objects for like most of his life. So, you know, it makes sense uh, why he can fly a ship so well, his little skyhopper right. and everything. Um, yeah, I like it. And it also shows that Owen, he's he's his dad. He's, he's a real man. He stepped up and he's uh, helping Luke live his life. Yeah, I really liked the, uh, well... We'll get to it later. Owen's declaration that Luke is as good as his mm. son. That was really sweet. We'll get to that later. But yeah, I, I I appreciated the preparation and the reality that living in a hostile natural environment like the desert and having the Tusken Raiders around, um, even though they're, yes, they're misunderstood, but like they do still like kill yeah some of some of the the people having those dangers around and just like the unpredictability of the galaxy of course you would have a couple of blasters like hidden away so that that was nice to me i was like okay they're not just gonna let them like hide behind a wall while reva can't find them like this is gonna be a little bit of a fight um yeah although not as compelling a fight as the one (laughs) that um we are about to get with vader and obi-wan part basically three if you count the training montage uh in this show you know they've fought each other so many times this is kind of the last time in canon unless they make another one in season two that they fight each other at somewhere close to full strength um mm-hmm. and because in new hope they're not like obi-wan's old oh, yeah. and, and vader's is too so um this this is a really compelling time and and man I don't even know where to start. Um, well, let's start with the uh, the camera, man. The camera work was so much better this episode. Uh, I really appreciated uh, seeing the standoff between uh, Obi-Wan and Vader before they fought. Uh, be yes, steady, yeah. you know? It wasn't a shaky cam. It looked like a movie. Uh, and man, that standoff was awesome, seeing the uh, all the poses that Obi-Wan went through. <laughs> Just to- yeah, kind of what do they call it? Form three before they actually start fighting when he did his little finger point thing. Uh, I believe so. It's also in rebels whenever he is about to uh, fight Darth Maul, he goes into the form three stance and then he goes back into, uh, uh, I don't know if it was a Quagon stance or I don't remember. Yeah. But it yeah. Looking shows similar to Quagon. Yeah. 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 And so he does almost get Quagon. Uh, in this in this fight scene oh i guess we'll cover it in a bit but yeah yeah the the only other pre-fight thing that i guess i had a note on was i really really loved um obi-wan's quiet moment in the ship um Mm -hmm. before he steps out because realistically space travel is not fast i get i get that the tech is awesome in this show whatever but Vader still has to figure out where exactly he is. This is a planet. This is not like like he doesn't have GPS. He's using the mm-hmm. force to guide him. But I thought it was so true to life that Obi-Wan <clears throat> had a couple minutes to himself. Like, yeah, he landed before Vader even got in his ship. So like he was able to take he just slowly like takes off his uh, like coat, basically kind of looks at his lightsaber, puts finds Lola, puts it on the dash um just contemplates like i'm about to do this and i thought we're about to get the qui-gon moment then um just Mm. like about 18 other times in the series where i thought 
Yeah, well, I, there's about um, 20 times in the series where I thought we were going to get Qui-Gon, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I thought it was actually better looking back on it that That's he's true. so, like, amped that he doesn't even, like, pause yeah. to, like, connect with the Force. He's just like, and honestly, okay, this might be it. about it you know? now, yeah. We're just thinking about it. We kind of did get a Qui-Gon moment in that scene. Um, if you think back to Phantom Menace, before Qui-Gon d- duels with Darth Maul, he sits down and meditates for a little bit, and that's exactly what Obi-Wan did. And the Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan, he was, like, going crazy, you know, ch- like, chomping at the bits just to just to fight Maul. But now, Obi-Wan has to fight uh, Darth Vader one more time. And he takes a minute to just think and meditate and not be all antsy. He collects himself just like his master Qui-Gon did. It's yeah. a good, uh, it's a good mirror of that scene. It shows that uh, he's ready. He's really taken Qui Gon's teachings to heart, and it's he's ready to fight Vader and also commune with Qui Gon. Yeah, it shows how much he's grown. Um, mm-hmm. Because you know we have, like you said, in Phantom Menace, um, that awesome moment when Obi-Wan is standing in front of the shields, jumping up and down. Like he's like bouncing on those balls of his feet, yeah, like just ready to fight Maul. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's like 1920, something like that. So to see his growth um, is, is really cool. I, I like that. Um, so we see him like, mm-hmm. you know, they step steps out of the ship. Vader steps out of his ship and we get this entirely CGI standoff that <laughs> I, I am, I love that they got to look at each other and say some words that we'll talk about in a second, but dude, I mean, you couldn't have just put the money into like finding a cool area to shoot in. Like <laughs> you didn't like it. It was I liked so, it. no, it was so CGI. They CGI would mm. the fog and everything that like, I could barely mm. see Vader like, and I could barely That's like true. appreciate what I was seeing because I was so distracted by the, the effects which to me the effects in this series have been like bad like they they're clearly trying something new with this uh what do they call the area the room that they shoot in the cave or something volume what the the, volume the is that what they call it the like little Uh, the studio that the studio where they shot a bunch of stuff i don't like it go back to real sets i Mm -hmm. i just it just it's so distracting to see yeah all the people in the foreground are real and the ground they're standing on is painted and whatever set that they made is like big enough to make a five foot circle, but everything else is CGI. And it just drives me crazy. Um, It's, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a series thing or not. Cause when you look at, I recently just watched the season two, episode one of the Mandalorian and they use the volume in it as well. And it's like, you can't tell if it's CGI or not. So I don't know what what went wrong in this series to make everything look so bland and CGI-ish. I don't know if they were yeah. trying to capture the 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 prequels, but you know they didn't do it. it a lot of the stuff looks flat and uh, right. there's no character to it. Even the the little uh, training mon- like training little thing uh, in the Jedi Temple. That's completely the volume they didn't they weren't on a practical set and you can tell it's too shiny it's too prequely uh you know and it's like if that were in the prequels that would have been fine but this 
you know, they're bridging the gap from the prequels to the original trilogy. And, you know, there, there's got to be some greediness to it. And there's got to be some realism to these sets. And, right. you know, I, I do agree that, like, this scene, uh, you know, this setting where they fought, it was too CGI. But at the same time, I liked the the jutting rocks that kind of shows, like, I don't know. It was a, it just it added character to the the fight. It also reminded me. I don't know if you know, but the final fight, Avatar: The Last Airbender. It, you know, it just I love that show. Um, so seeing a, a similar set, I was kind of reminded of that, and that probably blinded my love for the scene just a little too much. Uh, I was like, wow, this this looks amazing. Yeah, I just was a little overwhelming, like. Doesn't make sense when I say I was distracted. I, I feel like that's mm-hmm. I'm like, why why would you you know, part of me is like, why are you distracted? Like this is an epic fight we're about to get. But I was so like thrown off by the fact that I could barely yeah. see the characters because they were at the same time not doing enough with the with the setting. Like the setting was just bleh, but they were also doing too much, like the swirling fog and the the rocks yeah. when obi-wan pelts vader with the rocks it's like it looks (laughs) it just it looks completely animated because it is yeah and it's it just um yeah it felt like the rocks didn't have any weight to them the only the only rock that i felt like it had a weight was whenever vader used the rock to sweep obi-wan off his feet and i that that was the only part of the fight where i went ooh, like ow yeah uh any other part of the fight even when obi-wan had the freaking pillars thrown on him i was like okay you know that didn't look like it had much of an impact even when vader was getting right i'm like wow he's <laughs> he's taking it dude you know it kind of make the rocks feel like they have impact you know it's because they were cg it wasn't real uh they weren't like the the practical rocks that they used in you know older movies it was cgi so it didn't look like they had right. a big to it yeah you know i i i agree the cool thing about the originals and, you know, there was lots of modeling used and lots of like handmade sets that are clearly outdated. Right. But the cool thing about like new hope was filmed in Tunisia, like on location, the the desert you see in new hope is real. The, mm-hmm. the shots of out Guinness, like in the Canyon, like finding Luke, that's all like in an actual Canyon in Tunisia. That's not mm-hmm. a set. So part of that is they didn't have a ton of money. Like they had the money to, to get everyone over there, but they didn't have the money to like make their own set. Um, yeah. But it's, it's also like, it's so much more impactful when someone says someone is running, right? Like Obi-Wan running, um, his super saiyan thing that he does out of the rocks whenever he's been buried and he blows up the rocks and he comes out right like it's so much more powerful he's actually like running on real rocks and you could tell that he's running on real ground and and the screen is light enough for you to actually see that you know it's that's true it Uh, was i I just Uh, i didn't love the way it was shot either i know you said the the camera work was better for me it was the moving camera stuff was fine during the fight but whenever mm-hmm. the blue and red light thing happened, which we'll get to later, was amazing sequence overall. Yeah. But it it kind of 
it whenever it zoomed in on their faces it was still doing the woo like swim move yeah. camera thing uh, i don't know i just don't know who thought that that was a good idea but yeah yeah i have to agree some of the shots you know i'm just like why did they do that <laughs> why did they do that um yeah especially you know just watching the mandalorian the camera work oh my god man it's oscar worthy it's 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 amazing and you know it's just like it you know honestly it looks like two different companies produce the mandalorian and you know kenobi they it's night and day literally you know it's it's night in obi-wan kenobi <laughs> but right, uh, it's night right. and day with these two series it's it's like like you know where did, where did the budget go for for kenobi i don't i don't understand i i really just don't understand but you know, let's let's move on to their fight uh, a little bit more to their fight. Uh, I like how the their 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 fighting kind of matched the the training sequence and the montage that that back yeah, to back, back of to them. Back. Like, yes, yeah, that that was pretty cool. I liked it. I liked it. Um, you know, and then uh, of course Obi Wan gets covered in the rocks, and he has like a come to Jesus moment where he finally. Um, thinks about all the the good in his life what he's fighting for uh, what he's protecting these people like he thinks of leia and luke and he gains that confidence and you know super saiyans the rocks out of yeah and, you know and uh he goes on and to fight vader and one thing that i didn't like about the fight was the score i mean it just wasn't iconic you know, I thought they would use Battle of the Heroes or, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, Duel of the Fates or, you know, just something. But it just wasn't there. That's why the fight kind of fell flat for me. I loved everything else about it, but the score just wasn't there. Well, I don't even remember what what music exactly. was playing. So <laughs> that probably makes your point for you. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, it's the same argument with Marvel movies. You know, you can argue that they don't have a great score. And... You know, Star Wars is known for its score. Each movie, you know, you have you have uh, like Duel of the Fates, uh, Cross the Stars, Battle of the Heroes, uh, you know, the Imperial March. Each movie had its own score, and the Mandalorian right. even it's like you know his his theme. Mandalorian score is epic. For Kenobi, yeah, yeah. There, there there was nothing for Kenobi, and unfortunately, you know, this is John Williams' his last like soiree into Star Wars. It looks like so. It, it kind of fell flat for me the score, but the fighting was was really cool, uh, especially when Obi Wan uh, Obi Wan like you know finally gains the upper hand and uh, attacks Vader's voice modulator, and that kind of sets Vader yeah. off, and he does one final swoop and takes off his mask, and man, like I, for some reason, uh, in my twenty two years of life. I know I've known that Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader are the same character, but I can never really visualize it. Uh, you know, I can never visualize Anakin as Darth Vader for some reason. I just never could. Yeah. Agreed. But after yeah. this episode, man, like Anakin is Darth Vader. Like <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, that's Anakin underneath that suit, all burned and charred. He looks like a zombie of him. It's, it's basically Anakin's dead body in that suit. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that the one thing if nothing else that this series did really well was connect Anakin and Vader. 
like as one mm-hmm. person because but also simultaneously showing one person is truly gone like yeah then you Definitely. are truly lost right the the obi-wan yeah. line from revenge of the sith like that was that was nailed into me for sure in this episode like dude anakin's mm-hmm. gone gone he's dead um and, him. but it's also like wow seeing hayden christensen relatively young still underneath the mask seeing how he got the slash on the top of his forehead that we see mm-hmm. in return of the jedi uh like this is anakin um and I, I just I really, really enjoyed the whole blue and red light sequence on their face. Yeah. Um, yeah and it, it, it hurts even more because um, when his when his visor was first slashed off, his eyes weren't red. His eyes weren't yellow. You know, they were they were Anakin's eyes. And as right, everyone apologizes, yeah. it turns into like yellow eyes. And you're like, oh, man. It's just yeah and then his line of course like you you know obi-wan uh props to ewan because his acting in the scene was phenomenal he's fighting back tears he's like he's talking through tears and his throat like closing up he's like i'm sorry uh, in this final chance to like save his former padawan and he, uh, anakin's like you know you don't have anything to be sorry for you didn't kill anakin i did and the, the the change in his face, he even has a little smirk when he says that it. it's like insidious, it's scary. Yeah, and I'm scared looks, of Darth Vader. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looked he, freaky when he was like, he was like, I did. It was yeah, so he creepy. A little, man. He has a little grin to it. Yeah, he's, like, he's happy. He's, you know, he's he's come into his persona as Vader, and that really brings it home to Obi Wan to move on. He's like, yeah, he's he's gone. Melon, he says goodbye, Darth. <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. that they that they included that because that really shows a switch to Kenobi. You know, just give not you know, I I guess it is Kenobi giving up on his former Padawan. And yeah, I and mean, then Luke he brings him back. You know, he calls him, he greets him as Darth and New Hope. So it kind of yeah, makes more tragedy. sense that he's arrived yeah. at that place. Like to me, this episode was from Obi-Wan's perspective about him arriving at the place he needs to be when mm-hmm. new hope starts. Exactly. He arrives at the place where he views Anakin and Obi-Wan as two entirely different people because that's how he copes. That's how he reasons with himself that his mm-hmm. friend is gone because he can't believe that Anakin is doing all this evil. He has to believe that yeah. it's a different person to, to like, and you know, it's just, yeah, it adds to how he was saying, and, yeah, that's how he's saying. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's like you know, uh, your your father was killed by Darth Vader, or how in um, Return of the Jedi, where Luke is begging for his father to turn, and he goes, "Well, Obi Wan also thought as you did," and you know we see that moment where Kenobi yeah. thinks that he can turn Vader, but and you know, he Vader's spares like, him. No, this is me. Yeah, he, does. he spares him because uh, on some level he still wants Anakin to come back. And even though I think he's fully convinced that he won't, he, Mm -hmm. he, he gives him the chance again and again. Like he said, I should have killed or Vader says, you should have killed me when you had the chance in episode three, um, in part three of Kenobi, excuse me. And Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan kind of agrees. (laughs) He tries, he tries to kill him. And then, and Mm -hmm. then we see here, he has the opportunity to, to calm down. He doesn't. 
And other than it being obvious plot armor, because episode four, New Hope, still needs to happen, um, mm-hmm. it does also play on the level of like, and Obi Wan wants to give him a chance to mm-hmm. redeem himself, and he, he, as he says to Owen, the future will take care of itself. He doesn't want to be the one to step in and take that opportunity yeah. away from Anakin, if if there is any exactly. of Anakin still left in him. Yeah, but yeah, true. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, so that's the fight. You have a really cool uh, moment of Vader screaming Obi-Wan, kind of like Maul does in Rebels. Uh, it's I love the the mixture of James Earl Jones and uh, Hayden Christensen, the modulator. Uh-huh. That it's was an awesome Anakin's detail. trying to break through. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's just oh, gold star to ever thought about that. It's probably uh, my you... favorite moment of the whole series <laughs> was the, the voice changing really? and then changing back and then getting mixed. I just, mm-hmm. I gave me well, chills. You're probably going to think I'm crazy, but my favorite moment comes a little bit later after the fight, whenever um, it's after Riva has attacked the homestead. So I guess we, we can get into that. Uh, so Riva attacks the homestead and for reasons that I don't understand why, um, they didn't, you know, she's coming from the desert. She's coming from this very flat, plain, barren land. If Owen was on top of the, the homestead with like a repeater rifle or something, he could have seen her coming from a mile away and, you know, ended it right there. But, uh, you know, Riva. That's uh, not good for drama. No, not at all. So let's have let's have Riva invade the homestead. So they do that and they fight. We get that really good moment of uh, um, Owen telling Riva that you know that is my son, and right. Luke escapes into the desert. Riva chases after him, and she's badly hurt. I've seen arguments from you know people that aren't confident with themselves <laughs> talk about like how is Riva surviving the stab wound, you know? Well. My brother in Christ, Anakin, was cut into pieces. He lost four of his limbs, and he survived on hatred. Maul was cut in half, thrown down a 500-foot elevator shaft, and was and for 10 years survived on hatred. Uh, God, God forbid this one person is stabbed and survives on hatred. So, you know, <laughs> uh, she's, very, she's very weakened. She's wounded. And she finally uh, uses the force to pull down Luke, knocks Luke out. And this part is kind of unsure. I'm unsure about this part. Maybe you can shed some light on this. But the reason she wants to kill Luke, is it because that she knows that's Anakin's kid? Or, like, I don't understand. Um, That's the question I had. Because Grace, my wife, asked... (laughs) My wife? uh, My wife. She asked me that question, kind of... uh, while we were watching, cause I watched it without her and then we rewatched it like usual, mm-hmm. um, together. And she was like, so wait, why is she trying to kill Luke? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think she thinks that she's going to get revenge by killing a youngling and like taking away, uh, something from Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan allowed her and her friends to be like hunted down. Like she, he, he didn't stop anything Sense. Yeah. whenever she needed him. So she's going to take something he loves. 
That was my yeah. thought. Well, but yeah, then I, I heard I, I, I other guess. people. Then, then I heard other people say that it was because she knew that that was Vader's son, which I don't think she could have gained from that recording. She just heard exactly. Luke and the boy and Owen or whatever. So, yeah, I know you make sense. That makes sense. So yeah, <clears throat> that makes sense. She's trying to take revenge and you know avenge uh, her fellow classmates. And I think this is my favorite part of the of the episode, uh, which is weird because I didn't think it was going to be. But whenever Riva is trying to combat herself and she's fighting against herself to strike down Luke, um, the camera work. I don't know why, but when it zooms in on her face while she's struggling to put down her lightsaber and slash through Luke, it looks so good. You can see her internal struggle become outward. You can see um, the camera fighting her. And I, that's my favorite shot of the, of the series is her fighting against herself to, to kill Luke. Uh, but uh, we, we see that she doesn't do it. Uh, she doesn't become Vader and she takes Luke back to the homestead. And she's redeemed, which I loved. I loved. I, I'm, I'm so glad that she didn't die uh, because that's what Star Wars is about. It's about uh, second chances. You know, Vader, after all the horrible things he did, like he, oh my gosh, he's probably the worst person to ever live. Uh, he's redeemed in the very end. So I love that we get to see this form of redemption in Reva. And who knows where her story goes? We might see a book. Or we, we might get a book. We might get a little series. I don't mind a Reva series now. It would be uh, cool seeing what she does in the galaxy. Uh, I Maybe she helps a, the path. A book might be fine. I, mm -hmm. I, okay, three things that I didn't buy about this. And it didn't, it didn't make sense to me how this would work. One, she comes back with the seemingly lifeless body <laughs> of a child. And Beru and Owen do not go and fight her and kick her out of the way. They mm -hmm. they just go pick up Luke and give her this look and then walk away. Obi-Wan yeah. kneels down to her next to her. I guess he knows, you know, that she's she couldn't do it or whatever, but. Mm -hmm. Why are they all perfectly content with her bringing him back like she did them a favor? Well, she she walked in yeah. and she was trying to kill him. Like it's not yeah. like she saved him. She just didn't I kill think, him. I think if Obi Wan acted on it, uh, Owen and Brew might have acted on their you know their instincts too. But I think since everyone was kind of like you know corralled back and they saw that Luke was fine because he he coughed and you know he was up again just a few moments later. Um, but she's also you can see it on her face. She's she's like crying. She's unhappy. Uh, and she, I don't know, she looks regretful. That's, you know, that's why probably, that's probably why, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. I, I, that's my second thing is like, just because she's regretful and just because she's, um, mm -hmm. just because she's like, you know, sorry that she's done the things that she's done. Doesn't mean that there doesn't need to be like some sort of, consequence like she just gets to walk off and be free like they say yeah, like i'm free or whatever yeah. like i i don't like why like i am a full believer well, in the redemption of of a mm -hmm. sinful evil person that's fine but there are worldly consequences like there are things that like vader died 
mm-hmm. as a result of his like he ultimately he died and Riva just kind of gets off scot free. She gets to go do whatever she wants in the galaxy, uh, mm-hmm. whether that's good or neutral or whatever. And she's who knows how many people she's killed, like who knows how many helpless children she struck down. Right. Yeah. And just because well, she I, I, had a heart point, at the last second of one of them yeah. that that undoes everything. I just don't I don't really get it um, from, well, from a storytelling point, perspective. Uh, well, also from a storytelling perspective, to argue that, uh, I think that she hasn't got off scot-free. It's the redemption is her true, like, suffering. So now she has to go on with the rest of her life, kind of proving to herself that, like, she's better than this, she's better than that. Um, because, you know, she wasn't in, she was, she, the only reason she became an Inquisitor was to get close to Vader and to strike him down. So now she has to live with all of those choices and she has to make right. right, make them all right somehow. She was never a Sith. She she was never in it 100%. She was in it for uh, just to avenge her fallen friends. And um, she got lost uh, in it. And, uh, and, and, you know, she killed some people. But now it's her time to... Uh, you know, this is her penance. She, uh, it's you know, she has to live with the fact that she's done wrong and she has to do right. But you know, that's what I think. That's my yeah. two cents, as I said earlier. My, my third and final point about Reva's redemption is that the show did not do a good enough job of establishing her as a person to be believed in like they're mm-hmm. like going forward the, it works for the show it, it we can argue about whether it works for the show i don't know i, I still don't love the character but mm-hmm. the going forward if they're gonna make a series about her they to me have not done enough to make me be like oh yeah reva series like i want to see what she mm-hmm. does next like i'm i'm kind of just content to let her go after this like yeah, I the backstory was tragic and it lent some understanding to what she did to me. It didn't make me pity her. It mm-hmm. it, it made me understand her actions, but it didn't make me pity her because she was still doing heinous mm-hmm. things. Um, mm-hmm. And now that she's like apologetic, I I'm like, OK, cool. I, I'm still not mm-hmm. excited about your Disney Plus spinoff. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it just comes down to if she was written better, uh, and if her whole reveal wasn't done in episode five of all episodes, you know, I feel like if we were led on to Reva's true intentions, that like episode two or something, maybe right. even episode three, uh, she could have been such a better character. It just comes down to writing. Unfortunately, the writers for this series, they, you know, they, uh, I don't know, they just weren't. It wasn't good enough, in my opinion. It's it's a, it's a mindless Star Wars story when we're used to seeing Star Wars stories with deep purpose and uh, values. You know, uh, the Mandalorian. We see this strong bond and connection. There's there's allegories. There's all this stuff in the Mandalorian. Then you get to Obi Wan Kenobi, and it's like one dimensional. Straight through. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's just a Tom Cruise action movie all the way through. 
Yeah. Yeah. We have Roken being like, I had a wife once and I was like, oh no. And then he's like, but I'll help you. I'm a a leader. She was a Jedi. I don't want to see your kinds anymore, but I'm going to help you out no matter what. That's how it went. <laughs> we don't have time. Uh, we have no time. The The hyperdrive is failing. And then three seconds later, it's like, okay, uh, you can't go outside. You can't fight him. What are you doing? It's about yeah. you and him. It's like, yes, Roken, are you not paying attention? That's what the show is about. <laughs> are you not watching this sh- the same show are I'm you how are, how do you not how do you not see this it's literally called kenobi it's not called <laughs> roken this is episode six of the series roken get get on with it man like <laughs> you've been watching five episodes you should know roken the prequels are out watch them <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it's seeing all that uh, yeah it's very one-dimensional uh it you know let's, let's let's close up the podcast by um Moving on to, uh, you know, like uh, him meeting with Leia and Luke and Qui-Gon Jinn uh, at the very end. I love the little meeting with Leia um, and Lola has to, you know, get back to Leia somehow. So they meet one last right. time. And I love that scene so much. It's that it made me tear up a little bit when he was talking about the, the char- characteristics and traits she gets from Anakin yes, and Padme. I love that it's so, so much. Especially after reading Brotherhood. I'm not done with the series, but um, at the very beginning of the book, we get some really good Anakin and Padme moments. And, you know, it just kind of was like, oh, I understand why they released that book when they did. <laughs> because, man, Anakin is, is so great in Brotherhood and Padme is so great in Brotherhood as well, where you're just like, oh, well, uh, I'm tearing up now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's. I really enjoyed that. Um, I really enjoyed the. It's like they're giving us permission to look fondly upon Padme and Anakin's relationship. It's mm-hmm. like, man, for whatever went horribly, terribly wrong, they were in love and they they were good people at one point and Padme all the way to the end, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's it validates the prequels, you know, validates Clone Wars, and I, I just I I enjoyed that a lot. Um, yeah, I agree, and I loved Leia's little quip about, you know, Obi Wan's like, "What do you think I should do now?" And she was like, <laughs> "Sleep." <laughs> <laughs> and that's his first laugh since probably <laughs> Anakin. You know, it's just man, it, it's good to see. Obi-Wan laugh. Uh, but yeah, we, we, he departs Alderaan probably for the last time ever before it's, uh, before it's, um, crime rate goes down to zero, as you put it earlier, or however <laughs> you said it. Um, but yeah, he sees Luke, he meets Luke for the first time, and they get the hello there. Oh man, that, that was so well done. I'm glad they saved it for that moment. Yeah, uh, they saved the best for last. Yeah, we see, and we also get Obi Wan going off into the desert, and we get Quack on Jin, where he's kind of like, you know, well, took you long enough. <laughs> he was, he's always been there. He's always been there. He just, he, Obi Wan couldn't see him, due due to his, you know, everything that happened. Yeah, due to his PTSD. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, I the, that's up for debate, I guess, why he couldn't see Qui-Gon up to this point. Um, I think it's just he was blinded by his, like, hurt failure. from yeah. the past, his failure, yeah. And, um, you know, only by letting go of everything he feared to lose, which is what Yoda um, tells Anakin, that um, only by, like, letting go of his fear of re-failing, you know, he can't fail again. Like I failed Anakin. Like when he mm-hmm. finally accepted that the future will take care of itself, as he tells Owen, he's able to see Qui-Gon. Yeah. And I, I, it was kind of worth the wait to see Qui-Gon at the end. Cause oh, yeah. uh, Liam Neeson didn't sound too stoked to come back. Mm-hmm. So it's, I guess it's good. We got him for, you know, 30 seconds and he got to just come in and film for two hours and go home probably. <laughs> so he did, uh, he did an Alec Guinness, in Empire Strikes Back, how Alec was like, the only way I'm going to be in this movie is if I have, if I'm, if my all my shooting is done in one day. And that's what they did. They shot so all I've of never Alec's heard that before. One day. Yeah. He was like, uh, yeah, he just didn't want to do a, another Star Wars again. He didn't want to do Return of the Jedi. So he's like, the only way I'm going to do this is if we shoot all my scenes in one day. And, you know, they somehow they got it done. <laughs> that's funny. Crazy. So yeah, he, Liam Neeson was probably like, yeah, you know, <laughs> let's just get this done and over with. Uh, we can probably Zoom call it. But yeah, that's <laughs> well, Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's uh, the series, yeah. Yeah, do you think that the finale strengthened the series as a whole, or do you think that uh, it kind of just did nothing? What do you What do you think? Um. Yes, I, I think it strengthened the series. It took it from a, mm-hmm. I'm never going to watch this again, to like, oh, I well, I watch a couple of these moments. Uh, yeah, you know the, especially the fight. Um, the last half of this episode was really good, really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, just the flaws of Disney's writing and pacing and choices, mm-hmm. narrative choices with character development, uh, was put on full display in this episode. I will say, yeah, um, yeah I, I agree. They have an inability to trust their audience to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And and they don't it's like they look down upon us mm-hmm. like they won't notice this like inconsistency with timing. Like they won't notice that three minutes ago mm-hmm. you said that we don't have any time. But now we've been sitting on the ship for 10 minutes that mm-hmm. like they won't notice that. So it's, it's stuff like that that just irks me and may, and annoys me because it's it takes me completely out of the episode, but mm-hmm. overall I would say that it made the series a better product. Yeah, uh, I agree. Having I think this episode, that, yeah. Yeah, this episode strengthened the series by far. And to kind of go on to what you said about, uh, you know, everything being kind of fluff, uh, it kind of doesn't help that right now on, on TV or then on TV on Amazon Prime, but one of the best written shows like I've ever watched, it's The Boys on Amazon. Um, it's written so well. And in contrast to Obi-Wan Kenobi, them coming out at the same time, it's really makes me think like, why is Disney, why is Disney so behind in, in this? And why, why can't they learn from their mistakes? But I, honestly, yeah. I think that uh, the series, uh, the, the final episode does strengthen it. Uh, to a point where it's like maybe I will watch this again because uh, I'm gonna tell you right now uh, 
I'm probably never going to watch Book of Boba Fett again. Right. Uh, that's over and done with. If this finale was a disappointment, I would have been the same thing for me. Uh, but no, it, it, it's not. I'll probably rewatch this sometime later on. Uh, and maybe watching the series all through will, you know, might make it better. But no, we'll see. We'll, ha- we'll have to see how this ages. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm excited to see what their decision is with episode or with uh with having a season two potentially. My mm-hmm. my viewpoint would be that I I would rather not. But yeah, um, as we talked about earlier, but um you know more Ewan is never a bad thing I I suppose so exactly um we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we should wrap it up now. Uh, it's very awesome that we're done with Kenobi. Uh, just in a few short weeks, we start Andor and. Then Tales of the Jedi, Bad Batch season two, sometime at sometime in the future. We don't know when those release dates are, but the next project is Andor. So you best believe that we're going to cover each episode like we did. Kenobi. Oh in, yeah, yeah. In the meantime, um, we'll think of some stuff. <laughs> There's been some book releases like we talked about, Shadow of the Sith Brotherhood. So, uh, but we might discuss that in the coming weeks, or maybe we'll might revisit uh, some of the the main t- timeline movie topics that we were going through. But who knows? We'll, we'll just have to see where, what the future brings us. But that's been it for this week. That's been it for this week for the Kessel Rundown podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're listening to you on Spotify, go ahead, listen to us again. Uh, yeah, we, we appreciate all of our listeners uh, also on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. And I hope you liked uh, this new style of uh, video that we've been doing. But yeah, w- without without anything else to say, uh, I've been Hunter. That's been Ethan. And may the force be with you.